All right, so if you've been coming with us, if you've been listening online, we've been going through Galatians, we're going to take a break, um, and take a break for this reason. So we normally don't do like Mother's Day, Father's Day specific stuff, but this past week it just felt like God saying like, I want you to, to take an opportunity to speak to men today. And so one of those things, and the reason that it's so important to me is there are two things in my life, like two callings in my life that have been very, very clear. The first one was this. God said, I want you to devote the rest of your life to planting a church or planting churches that can be vehicles to be able to change the world, right? That he'll want you to be able to create environments inside of the church, that the church doesn't become a kingdom, right? Or doesn't become an empire, but becomes a vehicle for people to be able to use to go out into the world and change the world through the vehicle of the church. So we've been trying to figure that out for a lot of years. What does it look like? How can we do a better job of it? We always want to try to figure out how we can move that forward with the church being the vehicle to equip you guys to be able to change the world. And the other one is just simply this. I have had this desire since the day that I gave my life to Jesus Christ. One of the things is right away after I gave my life to Jesus that I could never figure out is when I went to church, I always asked the same question where are all the men? Why is there always in the church more women than there are men? Like I could never figure that piece out. And through that, I felt like God said this to me. If you could equip and train men to be not just men, right, but to be the men that God has created them to be, it will absolutely change the world right? Because here's my experience, right? I want to give you my experience. So my dad, and and you're going to hear me say this. So when I talk about my dad, I want you to hear me say this beforehand, because I think this is a problem. The thing that we need to understand is if you want to be a leader, you got to stop being a victim, right? So if you want to lead, you got to stop blaming, right? So if you want to move forward. So when I say this, I don't say this to blame my dad. I just say it as like, this is what I came from and this is what I want you to understand. So my dad, when he was 12 years old, his dad died. And through his dad, and he was the oldest of the three, when his dad died, his mom essentially went a little bit crazy. So they put her in, for lack of a better term, an insane asylum. And so my dad essentially raised himself. Like, mom was in and out, but he essentially raised himself. And so my dad gave me the only thing that he had, right? So his experience of being a father was the only experience that he was ever given, right? And he only knew to give what was given to him. And so my dad taught me how to work, right, from a young age, Because this is what my dad knew. When you're 12 years old and there's three people in the house and there's nobody to provide, what do you think you need to do? You need to work, right? And so that wasn't, so that was instilled to him as a young age. And so for me, that was instilled. That was one thing my father said. If you're going to learn anything, you're going to learn how to work and you're going to learn how to provide. But there were some things as I've went through my life that I wish somebody and or my father would have told me. Right? I wish that now that I'm further down the road, I wish that through some of these stages in life, my dad or another father figure would have told me. Because here's the thing that I want to tell you today, or here's the thing that I'm hoping you're going to get out of today. I'm hoping, guys, that you'll open your hearts and minds up that God wants to speak to you directly. 
Because here's the problem today. One, we're not listening, or two, people aren't saying, right? That could be one or the other, you know? But at the end of the day, the problem with all of that is, is because we're not listening or because somebody's not saying, not only is it affecting our young men, it's affecting all men, and that effect, how it's affecting all men is a ripple effect. Like it's not just affecting you as a man, it's affecting your children, it's affecting your wife, it's affecting your daughters, it's affecting your son. Like it's, it's this ripple effect. And here's the thing about the ripple effect. Although God can restore and rebuild everything, we all know that, right? There are still scars that are left by the ripple effect. True, right? So my hope is that in the midst of all of this, that you'll open up your heart and you'll open up your mind to listen, right? Because in this, these are some things, and I just, you know, put them by age group. These are some things that I wish... Again, my dad would have told me that I would have been aware of, that a father figure would have told me at these ages because I think it would help or would have helped in the process of doing that. So that's what we're going to do today. So we're going to start with 18-year-olds and younger. We have any men, guys, 18, one. See, this is how it was in the first service. I know there's more than one. You guys are a bunch of pansies. Why don't you just raise your hand? Like, what is the big deal with just saying I'm 18 or younger? Either way. So this is a message. This is a word. This is something that I want you to think about. If you're 18 or younger, this is what I feel like God wants you to hear in the midst of what he says through Scripture. So this is Luke 2, starting in verse 51. Here's what he says. Then he, meaning Jesus, went down to Nazareth with them and was obedient to them. This is Jesus with his father and her mother. So he went down to Nazareth with them and was obedient to them. But his mother treasured all these things in her heart, and Jesus grew up in wisdom and stature and favor with God and man. So here's the first thing, 18-year-olds and younger. Here's what I want you to see, because it's never really talked about. You know, when you go to church, here's what you hear. Jesus was born three years of his ministry, and he died on a cross. Well, guess what? He was 12, 13, 14, 15, 16, 17, and 18 years old. Here's why that's important. And here's the other thing that you need to hear. He was all God and all man. Does that make sense? Meaning that he experienced as a man the same thing that you at 15, 16, 17, and 18 years old, or whatever those age, like he experiences as a man the same thing that you're experiencing right? Why is that important? Why is it for you as an 18-year-old to get that and to understand that or 18 and younger? Because you have to understand this. When you have things that, number one, you feel like you can't overcome, because there are some temptations of the flesh that young men are like, doesn't matter what I do, I can't stop looking, I can't stop touching, I can't stop drinking. Anybody? It's, how about you guys that have been 18 once? There are some things that feel like you can't overcome them, right? Well, just so you know, Jesus, as a man, had to overcome those same things, right? He had the same things in his life, but he had the ability to overcome because he knew where to go. 
He knew where his power was going to come from. Not from his flesh, not from his willpower, not to just stop looking, but to go to the one who could give him the ability to walk in the journey that he was supposed to walk in. So that's the first thing to understand. So as a young man, understand that when you're struggling with your sin, where you need to go. Here's the other part, and this is the one that I want to focus on. So Jesus was a son. Pretty obvious, right? But did you see what it said in the beginning? They went down to Nazareth, and Jesus was what to his parents? Obedient. Now, I know, again, because and I say I know these things because I'm talking to myself. I know what it's like to be young and think your parents are stupid. Anybody else? Like your parents just don't know. They can't relate. They don't understand. They don't have the whole picture. They can't get together. Like they, you look at them and you're like, they just don't get me. They just don't understand. Well, here's what you see. Jesus, can you imagine Jesus now for a second? Looking at his parents. Did you think he thought his parents were flawed? Remember, he's all man and all God, right? And so he's looking at his parents. Do you think Jesus, when he chose to be obedient, was because his parents were worth following? Now think about this. Do you think, again, why don't, think about this as a kid. As a young kid, why do we struggle with obedience to our parents? Because we don't think they're right right? Like the reason we struggle with obedience is we think we know more than what they know. Do you think Jesus ever had the thought of like, I know more than you? But don't you think it's weird that he still showed obedience even though he knew more? Right? Here's why that's important. Here's what I want you to hear, young people, just for a second. If you don't understand obedience to your father and mother, even though they are flawed, you're going to struggle with obedience to your father someday. Not your earthly father, but to your heavenly father. Like if you're going to struggle with that, because here's what you've learned as a kid. When you're young, this is what you learn. And parents, we, we help with this. You know, as a kid, what you learn is, is that even in the midst of obedience, you know which parent to go to. Kids, right? Like you know which one when you want something, where to go, right? Doesn't it still work this way? Right? Like, I don't have any. Yeah, when the kids want something, they know, well, I'm going to dad because when I go to dad, dad's going to say yes. Right? And if I know I go to mom, mom's going to say no. So they pick whatever thing that they want to do, they know which parent to go to. And this is a side note, but parents, you know why they do this? Because you're never on the same page. True, right? You're never on the same page of how you're going to work together as a team because your children need to learn to be obedient to both father and mother and not just one, right? Like you got to learn that concept and we as parents got to learn, get on the same page because it doesn't make any sense because here's what's happened. They're going to try to wear one down and then they're going to go to the other, right? And they're going to keep working through those things. So as a young person, this is what I want you to hear. Someday, as you grow up, you're going to, again, if you become a follower of Jesus Christ, you know what you're going to have at some point? A father that you disagree with. Speaking from experience, God is going to, things are going to happen in your life that you're going to look at him and you're going to be like, I don't understand. You're not worth following. This was a bunch of crap. This should have never happened in my life. And you're going to make a decision at that point. Are you still going to be obedient even though you think he's flawed? 
And see, if you grow up with this lack of, of like understanding of obedience and you know it all, as soon as you hit that moment, people are walking away. Because they're not going to be obedient to a flawed, in their mind, a flawed God. A God that made a mistake. A God that didn't do something right. Where if you grow up understanding this, I'm going to be obedient just like Jesus was, regardless of the flaws, because that's what he tells me to do. Then that will translate into, when you get to the hardest times in your life, you're going to keep following even though you don't agree. right? And it's going to be an important thing for you to learn at a very young age. Here's the other thing. Young people, listen to me. For the first time ever in history. So if you look at, if you want to know um, like the trends in culture, go to marketing. Like, they, like if you want to understand what young people are doing, go to marketers because they understand. Marketers understand how to get certain age groups. For the first time ever, young people, if you talk to the, to the marketing world today, they understand this. You consume more than you give. That makes sense? You consume, so, so they target everything around your consumption, right? Meaning this, they know that when you open up your phone, when you turn on your game, whenever you do, they know that they can, can, can get you in a trap of consumption and keep you there. Because they know generationally, now you're consuming way more than you're going out and doing and being productive in the things that you do, and they know that they can keep you trapped in that. So here's what you got to get, young people. In your life, if you want to make a lasting effect, you can't consume more than you give. You can't keep taking in and giving in this, this mindset of consumption and, and, and doing everything that they've called you to do to consume, and you're so wrapped up in this, what you have to give, even if you do give it, you don't even care about it anymore. Is this making any sense at all? You know what I'm saying? Like you're consuming and then you go out to give and what you're giving is, I just can't wait to get back to consuming. So even if you are working a job, you don't really care about it because you want to go back to what you can consume. Right? Instead of what you give, the primary focus of your life is consumption and not giving. So 18 and younger, understand obedience, what it looks like to follow even when we don't think that it's right. And put yourself in a position that you will be a continual learner. Because this young age, you need to develop this idea in your mind. I want to learn, I want to learn, I want to learn. And I want to learn from somebody who is older than me and not just somebody that's on my phone. That makes sense, right? That you need to have that continual learning. And you need to look to and look past the flaws in your parents' life. And you need to learn from them. They do have wisdom, Right? They do have wisdom, and they want to be able to pass that wisdom on to you. So I want to pray, 18 and younger, I want to pray for you right now. Heavenly Father, I just pray that you will give these kids an open mind and an open heart, Lord, to the things that you want to be able to do in their lives. Lord, I pray that even though we have this sense of, of we got it and we know it, Lord, that we'll have a sense of uh, openness to learn uh, what you have for each one of us. Lord, I pray that you will teach those, those younger people to be obedient right, to the things that you have for them. First, be obedient to their parents and to their authority, Lord, because we know at some point that obedience is going to be tested, just like it is now. And Heavenly Father, I pray that, that as young people, they will always be seeking to learn, learn more about you and learn how they can continue to follow you in a great and incredible way. Lord, we love you, and we pray over these young people, Lord. In your name we pray, amen.
All right, here's the next group. 18 to 40. Now, I'm going to make an assumption, okay? Here's the assumption. I know that it's probably not completely true, but this is my assumption. Once you get to a certain age, 18 years old, whether you like it or not, you are a man. Whether you want to be a man or not, there is this sense of, because I think part of our problem is today is we've prolonged manhood. Like we just be like, you know, you don't have to be a man. Like back in the day when you turned 18, <laughs> you're going to be a man. Like you're going to act like one. You're going to take the responsibilities like one. You're going to do those things. So I'm going I'm to make this assumption that you're working as a young person to get to a point, you know, where you cut the apron strings, right? Like you, you get off of the dependence and start being a man. I was going to say something else, and I'm like, crap, I can't say that in church. <laughs> it just went through my mind. <laughs> it's a bad thing. But the point is, you've got to get to a place where you make a decision to say, you know what, I'm going to take responsibility of being a man. And we need to encourage, parents, listen to me, you need to encourage your boys to become men. And not to prolong this idea of waiting to someday become a man. Because, well, they're not ready and they're so young. And I'm like, you know why? You know why? And it's crazy to think about this, that we would actually have to say to 40-year-old people that they should try to be a man. But do you realize we live in a culture today where there's a lot of 30- and 40-year-old boys? Yeah. A lot of 30 and 40-year-old boys. So we shouldn't have to say these things, but an understanding is this is kind of this rite of passage. When you get to 18 and 40 years old, there's this idea that I'm going to take responsibility, I'm going to own responsibility, and I'm now going to become a man. But listen to me. This is this pivotal time in your life where you're taking this idea that when you were younger and now you're going to try to put it into action. You're 18 years old. You're going to take the wisdom. You're going to take the understanding. And now you're out on your own and you're going to try to put it in. And at that time, just so you understand, Satan knows that if he can disrupt this process, every other process after it gets disrupted. So 18 and 40-year-olds, you're under attack. That generation is under attack. Satan knows that if he can destroy this in here, that it's going to have an effect. When you're 40, 50, 60, like it's going to have an effect on how things turn out. So we need to understand that the enemy at this age, you are fighting an uphill battle. Because listen to me, for the first time in history, and you can make whatever you want of this, for the first time in history, there are more women in the workforce than men. For the first time, and think about this. Like, we can put all of these statistics around it of why these things are, but how is it possible for the first time in history that there are more women working than men? Like, I just don't even know how that's possible. Like, I look around and I'm like, where are all the guys? And this is what I hear. All of them figured out that you could file unemployment and play games for the rest of your life. That you don't have to take that responsibility. That you don't have to do those things. And, and that, you, that, that, that you won't take ownership to what that is. First time in history, right? Now, moms and dads, think about this. You know, our prayer, like every time I do a wedding, I think about this. Our prayer when our kids are always little. Someday, I hope my daughter finds a godly man. Did you ever have that prayer? 
I prayed that, right? Like, I'm praying that my daughter and my sons, like, I hope they, they find a godly woman or they find a godly man. Now, I want you to think about this. Statistics today. In the church, there are 10 million more women than men. 10 million more women than men. And we're telling our daughters, go find a godly man. And they're like, where do you go to find a godly man? Well, church ought to be a place. And then they show up and they're like, where are all them suckers? There ain't nobody here. They're all dinking around. They aren't, they aren't in church. But isn't that crazy? Like ten, by 10 million more women in church than men, that's just it goes completely against Scripture. God has called the men to lead and lead their families, and they should be, they should be in church. I don't know what else to say. Think about this for a second. Here's another statistic. 40% of all young people today, children, are growing up without a father. 40%, right? And everybody be saying, like, they'll be okay. Like, they will be okay, but you can't replace not having a father. Right? You can't replace not having a father figure in the life of a child. Like you can't do those things. Like kids need dads, right? And they need dads that are present in their life. Like it's an important part of the things that they do. So statistically, we would understand you're fighting this uphill battle. 18 to 40 year olds, you're fighting this uphill battle because there's no dads around or no fathers in the home. You're celebrating Father's Day and it's going to be from a distance because there's nobody there, right? Now, Think about this too. One out of four children today born out of wedlock. Okay? Now, take this the right way because it's going to be offending, but I'm going to say it anyway. Okay? Why do you think it is that one in four, because there's a lot of cases of why these things happen. Why do you think it is today that one in four children are born out of wedlock? Let me tell you why. Because guys like sex without responsibility. No? <laughs> Listen, they get you knocked up and they're out, right? Like, I want to experience all the freedoms of being able to do whatever I want to do, but as soon as it comes to, well, you got to marry me? Uh, right? Because there is this struggle with people today that would say, like, I want, especially for men, like, if you haven't seen this, men are struggling with commitment issues. That's weird, isn't it? Like that, it's weird that we can't get them to commit to like, I, I'll take ownership and responsibility. I'm going to raise them, I'm going to take care of them, and if I got you knocked up, I'm marrying you. And everybody's like, well, what if they're not the right person? Well, I don't know, but you still take responsibility, right? Like you chose to do this, then you should probably take ownership in that. So as a 40 to 60 year old, you're fighting this uphill battle. And here's why Paul would talk about that it's an uphill battle. 1 Corinthians 13, so the love chapter. So inside of the love chapter, Paul addresses something that, that talks about this issue. So why from 18 to 40 do we have an issue with these types of things? Why is it that you can look statistically in culture and say there's no men in the church? Not no men, but lesser men in the church? Why is it that, you know, there are no fathers in the home? Why is it that these things are happening? This would tell us why. 1 Corinthians 13, starting in verse 11. Here's what he says. When I was a child, naturally, I talked like a child. I thought like a child. I reasoned like a child. When I became a man, man, 
You see the distinguishing factor there? Paul makes it very clear. When your children act like a child. When you're a man, act like a man. You know the thing that drives me nuts is these older guys, you know, and they're, they're out there doing stupid stuff, and everybody's like, well, boys will be boys. No, not when you're that age. Not when you're that age. Be a man. Be a man. Take ownership, responsibility. Stop being an idiot, right? When you were a child, we can be like, hey, you're a kid. I expect it. I didn't expect you at 25 to still be acting like an idiot, right? Like those things aren't supposed to be happening. Make a distinction. When you're a kid, think like a kid. When you become a man, be a man, right? He makes that distinction, and he said, once I became, when I became a man, I put very clearly my childish ways behind me. I moved forward. This was a stage in life. We all go through it. We're all kids, right? And we're all idiots at some point, right? But that's just part of being a kid. When you become a man, put those things behind us and move forward to what it looks like to be a man. So he tells you, 18 to 40-year-olds, you have a choice. And I can't even believe this is a choice. You have to choose to be a man and not a boy. That's your choice. Stop. What do you need to put away so that you can stop taking or start taking ownership of what it means to be a man? So here's the difference. Here's what we know. When you're a kid, so talking about childish ways, so when you're a kid, your expectation is that it's all about you. Anybody, when kids are young, you always said this, mom, 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 right? Until they get your attention because it's all about them regardless of everything that else is happening in the world, right? You need to, you need to like, if you're not paying attention to me, I'm going to annoy you long enough until you hear me right? And then when you hear me, I'm going to nag you long enough until you give in, right? That's what kids do. They know how to get their way, right? They figured out that process. So they, they figure out this selfish way to be able to take it so that mom and dad are there to serve me, which again, that's part of our job as parents, right? Serve our children. But when you become a man, no longer is it, I need somebody else to take care of me or take you know, ownership for what I'm doing, but I need to start doing these things for other people. Does that make sense? Child, selfish, always calling on, you know, always wants to, you know, the attention to be brought their way. As a man, we take the attention off ourselves. We're not sitting there still saying, mom, 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 which is still crazy to me. 25, 30 year old kids that are still at home going, mom, mom, mom. I'm like, somebody to slap you. <laughs> what are you doing? What are you doing? You're a man. Grow up. Anyway, that's another subject. <laughs> Point is, the other thing, so you got to make a decision. Am I going to go from being a boy to being a man? Here's the other thing that, that, that kids do. Kids or children push responsibility off to somebody else, right? It's somebody else's responsibility. It wasn't my fault. Somebody else should have done. And we kind of expect that out of kids, right? We expect out of kids to push responsibility onto somebody else or over to somebody else. But the problem is we live in a culture of men that still won't take responsibility, right? They won't take ownership and responsibility. This is the whole victim thing. This is what's happening in men today. It's always somebody else's fault. 
Like it's somebody else's fault that I don't talk to my wife. It's somebody else's fault that I don't interact with my kids. It's somebody else's fault that I don't do my responsibility or my role as a father. It's always somebody else's fault. They keep pushing responsibility. It's my my, uh, employer's fault. It's my friend's fault. It's always just take some ownership. Stop blaming somebody else. Because I've heard this before. Well, I'm not the way I need to be because I never had a father to show me. That's a bunch of bull crap. You know why it's crap? Because you know what scripture says? Whatever knowledge that you want to know, open it up and he'll reveal it to you. Stop blaming somebody else. You want to be a man? Open up scripture and he'll tell you to be a man. You know what the problem is? I don't think you want the responsibility. That's why I don't think you're opening it up. I don't think you want to open it up and look at it because you understand the responsibility of being a godly man is overwhelming. Anybody? As an 18 to 40-year-old, when you go through that life, that's a, that's a big responsibility. So we just push it off and we say, well, nobody ever invited me and nobody ever talked to me and nobody ever did. And I'm like, somebody ought to kick you in the teeth. <laughs> you need to stop blaming somebody else of why you're not the way that you need to be and just take ownership. You're not the way you need to be because you're not the way you need to be. It's your own fault. Take ownership for it. Don't stop blaming somebody else. Stop blaming your job. Stop blaming your financial situation. God gives you everything that you need to be the father that he's called you to be. Good? Okay, let me pray over you. 18 to 40-year-olds, Lord, we, we love, 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 love this. And, but we also know that in this section and in this generation, Lord, that, that the enemy is, is attacking at astronomical levels, Lord, and that at this level, we know and understand that there is a ripple effect of any time that the enemy is involved. So, Lord, I pray today for a sense of courage and understanding of what, the, what it means to be a father and to be able to live out, you know, the father's heart and take ownership. Stop being a child. Lord, I pray today that if we've been living in that. Lord, we'll just get out of that. Paul says, there is a mark when I go from being a child to becoming a man. Lord, may we make decisions today to become men, to take ownership and responsibility for what you've called us to do and to stop blaming other people. Lord, give us the courage, the wisdom, and understanding to do that. Lord, we love you. In your name we pray, amen. All right, here's the next one, 40 to 60, okay? So the next generation. And remember, all of these ages can change and shift. I just put them in, you know, these generational categories. But 40 to 60, Paul brings up something that I think is hugely interesting, right? And here's the thing that he brings up. We'll see it in scripture here. He brings up this idea that there are a lot of Christian men that don't understand how to be fathers, right? He brings up this idea that men like me, I'll just give you an example. Like I knew how to work and I knew how to take care of, but I didn't know how to be a father. Does that make sense? Right? Like I knew how to provide, but I didn't know the broader perspective of what it meant to have a father's heart. I thought a father's heart was just this. Men work and men provide. Like, that's just what we're supposed to do. Anybody else, right? Like, that's what I knew. I didn't know that there was this broader perspective of what a father's heart was. So he's saying, here's the problem with a lot of men today. They get this picture of understanding that they're a Christian, but they don't understand what it means to be a father, right? And so he addresses that when he says it, 1 Corinthians 4, starting in verse 14. I'm writing this to you uh, not to shame you, but to warn you as my dear children. 
even if you had 10,000 guardians in Christ, and so this is what he's saying, like we got a lot of Christian people, you do not have many fathers. For in Christ Jesus, I urge you, uh, in Christ Jesus, I became your father through the gospel. Therefore, I urge you to imitate me. For this reason, I have sent you to Timothy, my son, whom I love, who is faithful in the Lord, and he will remind you of the way of life in Christ Jesus, which agrees with what I teach every uh, teach everywhere in every church. Now, here's the thing to think about. What does it mean, right? This is what he's talking about. There are people that are Christians that aren't fathers, right? And not fathers meaning that like they have kids, right? Not the definition. He's saying they don't have a father's heart. What does it mean to have a father's heart? God, guys, think about this for a second. What does it mean to have a father's heart? How do we know how to have a father's heart? To learn from the father, right? If you want to have a father's heart, then you need to learn from the father. If you want to know how to be a father, go to the one who is the ultimate father. Because if you look at, you know, God our father and how he interacts with us, then you will learn how you should interact with other people to have a father's heart. So a father's heart, just like you sang about, right? A father's heart calls you son and daughter regardless of the actions of your life, right? So we, when, when you're at this age, 40 and 60 years old, you've gained some wisdom that say, wow, people make mistakes, but they're still sons and daughters. There's still people that love the Lord that you can still make mistakes, but you can still be a son and daughter. Like you learn those things. So a father's heart, not just to their kids, but to everybody is like, listen, there's grace and mercy. So you learn that later on in life. Like younger in life, you're very judgmental. Right, older in life, you're like, you can't be so judgmental because I'm kind of bad anyway. Right? Like I've already been through all of these things. So I've learned the love of a father so that I can give the love of the father. You know what the other thing that we know about the father? See, 40 to 60-year-old men, you're in a different place than you were 18 to 40. You have more capacity and more opportunity than you ever had before. You know, when you're when the kids are young and you're trying to raise them, you're like, How do I survive? Anybody ever go through that? Like, oh my gosh, how do we ever get through this? I'm trying to get it figured out. You know, these just like nonstop. And, but once you get older, you have more time and opportunity that you didn't have before, right? So there's this idea of, you know, when he says that, you know what your father God does for you? He splits the sea so you can walk right through it. You know what a father's heart does? A father's heart helps God's children do things that they can't do on their own. Like you men today have capacity in the lives of younger men that you didn't have when you were that age. Money, time, resources, things, knowledge. You have the opportunity to part the sea for some young people, but you're so selfish that you forget that the, because a father's heart says, I was given this so that I can give it. Right? Like I was given these opportunities. I was given this time. I was given these resources because I want to be able to give them to somebody else. That's the way a father's heart works, right? And, and so we have to adopt the heart of a father so that we can be a father, okay? Now, the other thing is this. How do you do that, though? Because here's the problem. Today, if you go out there, there is no lack of content on reading podcasts, websites of what it means to be a dad what it means to be a father, what it means to be a man. You could read books, you can listen to podcasts, like you could figure it out from all those things. But you know what the problem is? Lots of content with little example. Anybody, right? Like lots of people who know in their head what to do but don't 
show it as an example to the rest of the people. Like they know conceptually this is what it means to be a man. Conceptually, this is what it means to be a father, but struggle to put it into to, to practice, right? So how do you do it? So now this is the, so for your age, 40 to 60, how do you do it? How do you put it into place? Here's the first thing you got to decide. You got to do some self-evaluation. What's the most important thing to you today? So if you're 40 to 60 year old, you got to do some evaluation. Because part of the reason that we don't have any examples is because it's not the most important thing to you. See, the most important thing to you now is, and you could just list it off, money, career, new hobby, Am I hitting anything, right? Something that isn't, because you know the legacy that you will leave is a legacy as a father that, I, that understands the love of a father that will be a father. That's a legacy. Not just to your kids, but to everybody. Right? That's a legacy that you leave. But right now, part of the reason you're not doing it is because you don't see it as the most important thing of your life. Because if you did, here's what you would know. You would seek the heart of a father, and we know men struggle with this, Right? And I'm not saying this bad, but we know men struggle to build a personal relationship with, with God through Jesus Christ. No? Okay, I think it's harder for men sometimes to figure that piece out. But if we knew that the legacy that we were going to leave on this earth is to, have, to be a father to the fatherless, right, then we would seek wisdom from the father, right? So the reason we're not doing it is we just haven't evaluated that as the most important thing. Right, so you got to evaluate what's the most important thing in your life. And then you got to figure out, how do I put it into practice? How do other people see my Father's heart? So I'm just going to give you, there's a lot of ways, but guys, I'm, I'm going to pick one. And this might not be you, but I know that it's a lot of struggles. Men, you've got to start having meaningful conversations with your wife and your kids. You can't just keep coming home and talk about nothing. There's a culture and problem that men come home from work, and I get it, right? You're so like, oh, life was so hard, and you come home and you figure out whatever you can do to disconnect from wherever you were, and you get into this space, and you have no opportunity to sit around and have meaningful conversation with your wife and your kids. True? right? You don't have any capacity for it. You don't have any space for it. And again, when I say meaningful conversations, here's what I want you to hear, guys. Listen to me. I say this in every marriage counseling that I do, and I say it at every wedding that I do. Listen, individually, you guys are incredible people. But you know why you got married? Not just because you love each other, because you will be better together as a team than you will be separately. And so you're telling me that you don't have the ability when God said together as a team, you're going to do things that you can't do alone and you're going to transform the world through you as a team that you don't have any time to talk to your wife about the things that are going on in her heart and your heart so that you can transform the kingdom because your day was too hard. Right? I mean, this is a problem is, is that when we look at this, this response, men, you have a responsibility to talk. You have a responsibility to have conversations. You have a responsibility to sit around a table with your family and ask your kids, what's going on in your heart? What's happening in your heart? What's God doing in your heart? What's going on with you? How can I come alongside of you? You can't push that responsibility. Guys, I know we do this way too much. 
Well, mom does a pretty good job of it. I'm glad I don't have to have that conversation. No, it's your responsibility. Gathering around a table, work together as a team. You need to be able to do these things. Right? So the idea is 40 to 60, you have an opportunity to do some things that you couldn't do before because of capacity. But, but we need to understand the Father's heart to be a father because Paul's very clear, and this is true. We live in a fatherless generation without any fatherly examples. You have a choice. Will you know the heart of a father, and will you be a father to the fatherless? Right? That's the choice that you made. Okay, so let me pray over you. Heavenly Father, we just pray for this generation of people, Lord, that you will give them the wisdom, the power, the resources, the things that they need first to pursue, pursue you. And Lord, in the midst of pursuing you, Lord, we pray that you will give them the wisdom to be a father to a fatherless generation, Lord, and that you will give them the power and the courage to do things that are abnormal. I know the things we're talking about is not normal inside of a home, Lord. We pray that it becomes normal. We pray that meaningful conversation, we pray that taking responsibility will be a part of the norm and, and not the abnormal. Lord, we just pray for courage for this generation to get that done. Lord, we love you. It's your name we pray. Amen. All right, here's the last one, 60 plus. All right, 60 plus. Now, in this, I want to give you a picture. We're going to be reading from 1 John, so I'm going to give you a picture of John, right, the, the, the guy that wrote this, and what he was seeing as he moved through it. So this is 1 John, starting um, 1 John 2, and it's just the, the first part of the scripture. Verse 1, my dear children, I write this to you so that you will not sin, but if anybody does sin, we have an advocate with the Father, Jesus Christ, the righteous one. So when John writes this. you got to see this from the background because this will help you make sense. So John is writing this from a grandfather's perspective, right? So when he's writing this, John is exiled to the island of Patmos, and he's writing some of these things either before or after that, but he's an old man now. And he's saying from a grandfather's perspective, my dear children, right? I want to help you understand these things. And here's what he understands. So if you're older, I don't know what age you got this, but if you're older, you understand this. So we all started from a place. Like when we're younger as men, most of us start in this place that we know it all, right? And we're somewhat arrogant about the way that we live our life. No other? Okay, I was, right? I knew it all. I had the world by the tail, like I was pushing hard. I had all of the answers. I was going down the road. Just like for, for John's perspective, think about this. He's the one that Jesus loved, but do you realize he's also the one that went to Jesus and said, hey, by the way, you have a throne and I want the one beside you? Like who asked that, right? Other than a young person, right? Only young people have enough gall to be like, I'll take the throne, right? That'd be perfect. That's what I need. That's what I want. Like, there's just this sense of arrogance. It's not wrong because you know what you learn when you get clear over here and you're an old man? Like, that is okay because here's what we know about the father that we didn't know back here. The father is a father that would say, oh, you know, I love you and you're going over here. I'm just going to redirect you and I'm going to redirect you, and I'm going to redirect you. And through every stage of life, you're going to need redirected, but I still am a son, and I'm still a daughter. I'm just getting redirected over time. John is sitting over here as a grandfather looking into his life. It's like, I'm, I'm glad he didn't give up on me. 
I'm glad that he just redirected me. I'm glad that there was somebody there in my life that was willing to not just leave me in my arrogance, but to direct me in the path that I need to go. So he's talking like a grandpa saying, like, it's okay. We were all like you. You know what I mean? That's kind of what the grandpa does. Like, they kind of overlook this in kids because they're like, yep, that was me or that was me, or yes, I've been down that. So you kind of overlook it, and you look at it from the standpoint. What they need is direction, not condemnation, right? What young people need in their life, this is what grandfathers recognize. Like, you can tell them all they want about how bad they are, but at the end of the day, what they need is direction, right? And so here's what I want you to hear, 60-year-olds, listen to me, 60-plus. Here's the problem today. We have this group of people that need direction, and once you get to this age, you're ready to give up. You kind of checked out. Let somebody else do it. It's a younger generation's job. I put my time in. I did, you know, whatever that stuff is. Like, you went down that road. You're kind of like, I'm over. You start. That's for younger people. Like, listen to me. Here's what you need to hear, and I want you to hear this the right way. Over here, from everything underneath this, pick whatever age it is is like sails on a boat, right? Young people and through this age, we're running up the sails and we're flying through life. The problem just is our ship's going like this. Anybody, right? Like you're throwing up the sails and you're just going like the one thing to the next thing to the next thing and you're getting to the end of it and life's getting done and your sails are up and you've been flying through life but you have no idea how you ended up there, there, or there. Because you don't really have any direction right? You're just throwing up the sails and saying, I need some wind to get through life. 60-year-old or, or older people, you know what you need to do? You need to get in their ship and grab the rudder. You don't just need to, to, to look at the, the, the boat going all over the place. You need to get in their ship. You need to grab the rudder and say, go this way. Go this way, because that's what you are. You have the wisdom to grab the rudder and say, that way. Because you've been there. You've done that. And when you guys check out of the game, we as young people, we have lost a wealth of knowledge because you chose to check out. We need you in the ship to say, this way, this way, this way. And we as younger people need to be okay with older people saying, this way. Because this is what you're going to learn. I've learned this down here now. I didn't really know it down there. If you allow somebody to, to be the rudder in your ship, if you allow these things to happen, you are going to have the ability to, to head off, you know, all those scars that I was talking about? You know why somebody who gets in your ship turns the rudder that way? You know why? Because they've been that way. And you know what? They, they know the scars that comes with going that way. And I know as a young person, you're like, but I don't think so, and I don't think so. Listen, trust me. Give them the rudder. Allow them to move the ship. Allow so you don't have to, you know, it might not be what you want to do, but you're not going to have to go through these places where you're going to accumulate scars. That not, God can take them away, but it's still baggage. Anybody? All right, so let me pray, and as I'm praying, the worship team is going to come back up for 60 plus what it means for you guys to jump in our ships, to jump in the ships of, of younger people, we can be the sails, but we still need the riders. Let's pray for you. Heavenly Father, I pray that you give um, a sense of energy to those who have been in the trenches for a lot of years. 
and have looked at their service as saying, you know what, maybe I'm not relevant anymore, maybe I don't have the time anymore, as an opportunity that you are a vital part, a vital part as men in helping us to go in a direction that God has called us to do. May we as young people honor those sages in our life that know where we need to go. May we ask the wisdom, but we can only ask the wisdom from the men that are there to ask. So Lord, make those men present in our lives as young people. Lord, and I pray for all men today that we would understand that we need to become men of God, that we need to separate ourselves from our childish ways and the things that we've done in the past and take ownership of what it means to be a man. Lord, all the statistics we gave today we know can change, and we know it for this reason. The Holy Spirit is living inside of every single man in this room. And Jesus Christ said, I will give you the opportunity to do more than I could ever have done on this earth. So inside of each man today is a Holy Spirit living and wanting to live through each man in this room to do more than could be ever asked for or imagined. Lord, may we stop pushing off responsibility and making excuses. Lord, live through the power of the Holy Spirit to be the man that God has created us to be. Lord, we love you. In his name we pray. Amen.